G'day, I'm Scotty North and this is Zenium Live where we talk all things money, finance and property and today is a Friday so automatically it's a fantastic day to be talking about anything because simply by the fact it is a Friday. Uh, so pull up a chair, grab your lunch if it's, uh, it's at that time for you and, uh, and a drink and join us for some pretty good content on today's show which we're talking about that it's talked called It's Raining Cash. Now, firstly, thank you for joining us on the live stream. If you've got any questions, feel free to put them in the box wherever you see the show being broadcast and we'll bring them onto the screen and talk to you live about what you're saying. Uh, and also, if you're listening on our Zenium Live podcast afterwards or on the repeat, thanks for watching and listening. And you can always hit us up on the stuff scrolling at the bottom of the screen or on the podcast through the ways of contacting via that method. All right, today's guest. I've got a very exciting guest today and I'm going to introduce you to Andrew from Altitude Finance. Andrew, how are you going, mate? Hey, Scott. I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Now, look, you've been in finance for, what, 20-odd years, it's, uh, I believe. goes quick, doesn't it, mate? It goes quick. <laughs> well, it, uh, you know, you don't look like you've been in finance for that long because, you know, most of the people I think about being in finance for that long look something like Scrooge. Or uh, Scrooge McDuck, or what's the other one? Uh, Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. I think you've caught me on a good like day. That. I think that's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> so you run your own firm at Altitude uh, Finance. So, uh, you know, how did you get into that? Were you in banking beforehand, or did you just go straight into this? Like, what's the story? Look, it's a funny thing. Life throws a few curveballs at you from time to time. And um, I experienced one of those curveballs when I was young. I was, I was at university. I was actually studying to be a chiropractor, of all things. But there was a funny there was a funny structure in the world back then. There was two degrees. There was a science degree for three years, and then two more years, masters of chiropractic. I'd done all the science. I'd done everything, doing well there, getting into my masters, all enrolled, graduated, everything, good to go into the masters program. And then the government said, "I'm sorry, there's no hex for postgraduates. You got a science degree, son. You're a postgraduate. There's no hex here. You got to pay for your own bat for your chiropractic studies." And back then, it was. I mean, I'd hate to think what it is today, right? I mean just crazy numbers. But back then it was about 25 grand per annum and my family were not particularly wealthy. So that was not something which was feasible, unfortunately. I was packing shelves at a supermarket in the evenings just to get through the science degree, uh, living on what measly support the government gave us back then on, on a hex or whatever it was. But then to come up with 25 grand plus living costs uh, beyond that for two years, back to back to, to be a master of chiropractic, unfortunately it broke the bank. I didn't have a bank. I didn't have a piggy bank. All of a sudden, blinding lights went on. And I realized how important money is. It, at some point, it had managed to evade my consciousness at that point in time. <laughs> so it wasn't raining money for you back then, uh, by the sounds of it. But uh, look, I also see here that you you were in Sydney and you relocated to the Gold Coast. So when you went across the border, did you change your shoes? Did you have to put on white sand shoes now that you live down the Gold Coast? Like, how does that work? <laughs> No, it's true. You do have to change your shoes uh, and your trousers. You got to take them off. You got to wear board shorts. In fact, you probably can't see it, but I'm actually wearing board shorts right now. Um, you've got to dish the shoes for some thongs, mate, and uh, take up an active lifestyle. Enjoy the sun and the surf, and wind back a little bit from Sydney. I mean, Sydney is a wonderful place. I love the real estate market in Sydney. I love some of the financiers, and 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 there's some real amazing characters that come from Sydney. But you know, spending. I was just talking with a client this morning. Right? We've been helping for probably the better part of 20 years. 
great equity position, doing really, really well. But he's losing, and this is during COVID, he's still losing three, four hours a day commuting in Sydney traffic. It's crazy. Yeah, that's, that, is, that is very crazy. That's very crazy. All right, so on to the topic today. We called it uh, It's Raining Money. Now, this, this came up through our discussions internally in our office this week, and it said uh, it's noticeably easier to get a loan than it was, say, 12 or 24 months ago. So, mate, I thought, well, let's ask someone at the coalface. Andrew, is it easier to get a loan now than it was in 12 or 24 months? You know, why is that? Look, categorically, it is easier. Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. It's not as easy as I would like it to be, right? But it is definitely easier and it's easing. We're in this easing cycle. Almost daily, I'm receiving a new email uh, from bank or lender or building society. I mean, we, we work across the full gamut. We're true brokers. Uh, even before I started my own business, I was raised by other brokers. It was always about getting the right solution for the client. So it's never about, you know, pushing one particular bank or lender or any of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely getting easier. Um, I, I was reading an email this morning. You know, one of these lenders that for some reason they were they were scaling back the amount of rental income you could uh, you could use towards serviceability, okay, to, to demonstrate that you've got to meet your debt payments. I mean, basics, okay, basic stuff. Let's just go back to basics. You're applying for debt. You've got to be able to service you can pay for the debt. That's the only way you're going to get approved in most instances. I mean, we have got lenders that will approve without serviceability, but you really don't want to be paying those rates if you don't need to. All right. Um, so, you know, they're going to take off your living expenses. They're going to take off your tax. They're going to take off your kids, any other expenses, any hex debts or past liabilities, anything that's due and liable. If you've got a 20 grand credit card, they're going to assume that you've spent that already or you can spend it in a heartbeat. So you've got to demonstrate that you can pay all those sorts of things. And then what's left is a little bit of money to service new debt. Okay, so what they've done now is they've just said, okay, cool. You know, you've got rental income from a property. We were capping it down here. We can relax that a little bit. We can give you a little bit more of that rental income you can towards use towards serviceability, for example. Right, okay. So on the rental side, have they changed that serviceability calculations on, um, you know, on living expenses or, you know, school fees and other bits and pieces? Like, so, because... If you don't have a rental property, it was still finding it's easier, you know, in other ways, right? Look, definitely. Um, the banks will always use an assessment rate or a floor rate, a minimum rate that which they deem that the debt needs to be serviced over. You know, we're in a low interest rate environment at the moment, which is probably one of the reasons you've got such a big smile on your face, Scotty. Your portfolio is growing very handsomely at the moment. It's good times, but you've got yeah. to be able to get the debt in the first place, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so uh, in terms of for what clients are doing to make themselves look good to banks, I mean, that sort of stuff hasn't changed, right? You need to be good savers. You need to have, you know, clean accounts, you know, not full credit cards or low credit card limits, all that sort of stuff. So yes and no. that's where we're at now. Is there anything different to, that's right now to being before? Yeah, look, it, in an ideal world, you want to you want to rock up if you're buying your first home or your first investment property you want to rock up with some genuine savings some genuine equity you know be it shares that you've you've been investing over the last six to 12 months or savings you've been putting away consistently month on month on month i mean we ran a whole program um teaching the basics of people just to help them get ready for this stuff uh and that was that, that was just basic information that people didn't understand um but you've got to if you're just getting into the market for the first time you've got to have some genuine savings 
to get the premium, the cheapest rate. I mean, we always want to buy a really good property with the best finance structure we can get. Um, so if you're ticking as many boxes as possible, you're going to get the cheapest rates. You'll be able to set that over a 30-year term, 30 years for mortgages. How good is that? I've got some lenders that will do 40-year terms now. What, like fixed rate? No, not terms. fixed. We're talking variable rates. You can get you can get yeah. fixed, but typically up to five years. Some will do up to ten. Um, yeah. But yeah, you can actually you can get a, a lender that'll assess over a forty-year loan term now. Yeah, that's that's a long time. That's uh, that's quite a long time. All right. So where's the future going? I mean, we've seen these changes happen and that relaxing of you know other bits and pieces that we just discussed. I mean, what's the next twelve and twenty-four months hold? You've probably heard this saying before, Scotty, history repeats itself. I was just saying to some clients, around Christmas time, it's starting to feel like the early 2000s. That's when I got my start into property. I could see the wave coming uh, and, and I jumped in and I probably drove my wife a little bit crazy because we took all sorts of risks and bought all sorts of properties that, you know, you may deem a little bit risky in this environment. I remember, I remember rocking up to a sales office and buying an off-the-plan unit on the Gold Coast uh, and I didn't even have $1,000 in my bank account to put down the initial deposit, right? But I still figured out a way to get that deal done and ride the market while it lifted up, while we acquired other properties along the way. So look, you know, it's great times. We're going to have this environment where interest rates, variable interest rates are suppressed, right? The Reserve Bank is just printing money like there's no tomorrow at the moment. And what did we hear overnight? Joe Biden jumps in with another $2.5 trillion. I mean, of course, that money, some of it will come here. Because guess what? In America, what do they get on their yields, on their, on their interest rates? They're getting that much when they can bring it to Australia and get a better return on it. So hence some of the reasons that, that finance is getting easier. There's more liquidity. There's more money around. It's going to float the entire system. And it's by design. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Biden... Uh was awake long enough to announce anything on that regard but that's a topic for another day so i've just got up here on the screen that um you know these interest rates that you just touched on with this rba uh that they're low until at least 2024 uh and that's what the the bank governor philip lowe's come out and said at a i think it's wednesday a press conference or one of those breakfast things that they do um, yeah. and he's saying that there's absolutely no prospect of wage growth hitting more than 3% before that time. Okay, so they're saying because wages are staying low or the growth on wages, I should say, is staying low, that uh, yeah. they've intertwined that with the inflation and therefore they've come up with the, the concept that it's going to remain at its current level until at least 2024. Now, that's, uh, that's a long time, mate. That's quite a long time. Look, it is a long time. Um... And that's why I'm probably of a similar vein to you. I'm a little bit excited at the moment. Uh, we've been waiting for these times. You know, you and I have probably held properties through quiet times, through bad years when interest rates have been higher for, for various reasons. You know, and then you you come off the back of a, you know, a, a bad recession and the government's printing money and, and providing stimulus and JobKeeper and JobSeeker and you name it. There's, there's money flying all over the place to try and keep the engine room of the economy moving and to try and keep consumers spending and investing. And, and of course, all of this generates taxes in some form or another. It either generates employment or taxes or a combination of both. 
Now, on the flip side of that, we've got the Reserve Bank here also saying, hey, we've pegged the, the rate low, we've pegged it low, we're going to keep it there all right, for the next three, four, five years. It's, it's what they refer to as forward guidance. They're telling the market in advance what they're expecting to do so that you and I can have some confidence and say, okay, cool, let's have a crack. Let's buy an investment property or, or let's upgrade our house or let's, let's spend some money because without us spending money, there's no jobs, okay? And then the government has to print more and there's no taxes. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Look, uh, I'm going to chuck up on the screen now and for the regular watchers, they've probably seen this, but uh, Andrew, I don't know if you've seen this from our perspective. So um, this is our compass. And I just want to highlight a couple of points on here. So we're down at this bottom area here in terms of the cycle uh, of our compass, right? So this it's just a, its own sort of separate tool. So we've got nice. credit loosening, undersupply and credit expansion. So as it moves around, that's what's happened. We've had that credit loosening as we've been discussing over the past 12, 24 months. Yeah. We've got this undersupply and now we've got this this credit expansion just means that there's more, you know, more loans happening and more prices going up and that, and which is all driving the rising market. And so this is the sort of thing that's happening right now. And we've, we've you know, we've mapped that obviously years ago when we did this, but the, um, you know, this is really good pictorial way of viewing the current market. And I think it's important to note that a lot of these things are connected hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Can you zoom in on that on full screen? I can only um, see it from a little bit here. Yeah, mate. Let's see if okay, I can nice. make it any bigger. Yeah, look, it's probably my settings, actually. Yeah, there we go. I've got this as well. Well, let's just... And where are you saying we're sitting on this clock at the moment? Well, we're down the bottom. So we've had the credit loosening, We've got, which is we've got an undersupply of property, and now we're going to have this expansion because more loans are being, you know how busy it is in loans, right? So this is this credit expansion. So we're just, it's just driving this further around to a rising market is all that we're saying. Look, absolutely. So, there's, there's no doubt under supply. I mean, during COVID, a lot of developers shelved projects. I was talking to one of the, um, one of the professionals in the development industry down here on the Gold Coast just doing an inspection. And he was saying, look, you know, things were pretty quiet over the last 12 months, even though this is a booming market. I mean, this is a lifestyle market. This is a lot of people are exiting the cities and, and moving to these sort of lifestyles locations, which is which is fantastic. I mean, we can all work from home and choose where we want to live now. Um, I'd like to say I started that trend 10 years ago, but that's not the reality of it. It took COVID to really accelerate that. But look, there's no doubt there's been undersupply. There's been lending restrictions. I mean, it, I was flicking through some headlines. It was over five years ago that they started putting prudential policies in place to limit the amount of investors in the market. So that slowed the market down already. Then we had a Royal Commission. Okay, all the banks were running around in handcuffs. And so they should have been, you know, they, they, they did some horrible things. Um, you'll probably note that the amount of uh, complaints against brokers was next to 0% compared to 99,000 complaints against banks, irrespective if we digress. Um, there has definitely been a lack of supply, but now we're seeing all this money printing. It'll get out into the financial institutions. They're going to be looking for better yields. I mean, what can you get on your cash these days? Yeah, well, yeah, not much, mate. Not, not much. much is the is the correct answer on that. Um, and I mean, we we know there's some companies with some big TDs in there with you know points on the on the percentage that they're all they're getting on a TD in millions and millions of dollars. So that's it's pretty crazy stuff. Um, I got this uh, this book I'd ordered ages ago and it finally arrived this week. 
Um, it's The Power and the Land by Fred Harrison. I've been waiting on a copy for ages. But the, uh, there's, a, there's a quote in here from Winston Churchill from July 1909. And uh, I think it relates to what we're talking about today. So he says, uh, a portion, in some cases the whole, of every benefit which, uh, which labour is acquired by the community is represented in the land value and finds its way automatically into the landlord's pocket. If there's a rise in wages, rents are able to move forward because the workers can afford to pay a little bit more. So what he's saying there is that as wages increase and as money becomes more common, um, it finds its way into the landlord's pocket through prices rising, house prices and land prices rising. Mate, that is exactly where we're seeing now, and this is why people need to be a part of that process or they're going to get left behind, right? Oh, absolutely. Look, it's, you know, it's not rocket science at the end of the day. You know, it's, sometimes you've just got to see what's happening, and, and it's everywhere at the moment. Um, and we're in this environment where we're going to have cheap money, readily available money, and it will make the, the market so point. It'll be like the early 2000s where it, you could almost throw, you know, a dart at a map and everything will rise. Obviously, the better properties you and I know will do much, much better and the worst properties will do worse. But across the board, I think the February figure um, for, for capital growth was 2.1% uh, reported by CoreLogic or Melbourne Institute. That's right. 2.1% yeah, right. for well, the month. If you annualise it, it's 25% per annum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really crazy, hey? It is. So we haven't seen that sort of stuff in a long time. So, all right, so what is the, the best way the, for people to access this money? Like money's easier. Obviously, money's easier if you're wanting to buy property because banks love securing against property. So yes. what can someone do to put themselves in the best position to, uh, to benefit from the rising market and if they can find a property that is to buy? Okay, awesome. Sometimes the best things to do is to know what not to do. Okay, and I'll rattle off a couple of things. All right, don't miss your repayments. All right, everything these days is reported. There's no hiding anywhere. Make sure you're servicing all your debts on time. Do the basic stuff that you should be doing. If you're going to invest in property, this is serious. Make sure you're on top of your accounting. And if, you, if you're not, you know, reach out to someone who can help you with that stuff. Right, make sure that you're not applying for finance that you don't qualify for or is the wrong type of finance. Let me just take something that's common for the moment. Um, Enjoy now, pay later, afterpay, something like that. Do you know that an afterpay inquiry can have a negative hit on your credit file up to 150 points? Now, if you've got a reasonable credit score, you know, your credit score might be 7, 750, 800, up to 1,000 on, on one range or up to 1,200 or another. It's only going to take two or three afterpay inquiries and bang, you've smashed your credit card or one missed repayment on a mortgage or something like that. All of this data is live, it's tracked, it's real. Credit reporting is, is here. We can't avoid it, unfortunately. So, yeah, you've got to avoid avoid the basic stuff. And, and do the basics, you know. Make sure you're saving 10% of whatever you're earning at, at absolute minimum, be it income, be it um, share dividends, be it rentals, be it government stimulus. Pay yourself first. This is a fundamental thing. And if you can't do that, you'll never be able to leverage up into property. So, you know, you've got to do the basics really, really well. Yeah, that's some really good points. And I think that uh, what people don't understand is the way that the credit system is 
gone to like the US style now with with points. I mean, it was always sort of like you had a mark on your file or you didn't or whatever. But this whole point system thing now has become a bit of a, a magic art in itself, right? I mean, it's pretty pretty crazy the way that things are working in that way. Yeah, look, it has, and it's also uh, it's all, it's also very new. So I think lenders are a little bit sort of on edge about it at the moment. I think over time it'll sort of settle down a little bit because it's such a change, such a radical change to where it's been in the past, where previously we had negative reporting, defaults, bankruptcies, judgments, et cetera, et cetera, to now we've just got genuine real-time reporting. How's your account? They're reporting on every single account, marking whether it's paid on time or not, all, all the basic stuff. You know, I always recommend to people that we get a copy of their credit file up front before we apply for any finance. You've got to make sure you go through proper process. I had a client the other day, for example, that just wanted the sharpest rate for for what he could get. And there's no point in me quoting him, look, I can I can get your mortgage at 1.95% because I don't know if it's relevant to his situation. One, if it's going to serve him in his best needs. Two, if it's the right thing for him moving forward. Or three, if he's even going to qualify for that lender. So you've got to go through the process of, of, of getting ready, getting organized. So when you strike, when you fire, you hit the bullseye the first time. That's the way we work here. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. And you don't want to be missing, especially in the current way that the, the credit reports work, you don't want to be misfiring, so to speak, because it's all just marking on that file. Um, Look, absolutely. And you don't want to be wasting time with, with real estate agents. I know of agents at the moment, it's such a hot market. If somebody asks for a finance extension, let's just say for Queensland, for example, it's pretty good. We can get, you know, 7, 14, sometimes 21 days subject to finance. Not like Sydney or some of the other markets where they expect you to go cash unconditional straight away. So, you know, there's a bit of an exit, a bit of a, a get out of jail free card there. But if someone's got a, a finance clause and then they ask for an extension, the agent at the moment is just as quick to drop them because they can resell the property for more money or on better terms to another cash buyer because the market's just so buoyant at the moment. So you've just got to be ready when you do strike. You strike well. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, all right. So in terms of, so we've covered why we're here, what's happening now, some things to prepare for the future. Have you got any real examples of uh, clients that say have experienced well, if they could get a house, that is, experience that they couldn't get a loan before but they could now because of the relaxing of the um, of the rules and the way that they're, they're doing the assessments? Look, definitely we've got, we've got clients we're circling back to now that we were trying to place um, even six, nine months ago. Uh, the change in credit appetite has been remarkable. Um, you know, I'll take my hat off to the Reserve Bank and to, and to the international banks on that sense. They've averted the cliff. They've printed money. Um, it looks so far like everything's stabilizing and, you know, you're finding at the moment some lenders are at, you know, four, five, six weeks to look at an application. <laughs> it's just crazy um, but because there's so much volume in the system. Um, so, you know, we've got people who would not qualify back then. Now the standards have relaxed. Um, the base, the floor assessment rates have, have reduced in some instances. Uh, they can use more rental income. Yeah, every day there's a different email with a different policy adjustment that, that indicates that credit is easing. Yeah, no, that's good. And we're seeing the same sort of thing. And the problem is, is those people sometimes get caught in this this time frame where they couldn't get a loan before and there was properties around. Now they can get a loan and they're having trouble finding the property that goes with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, FOMO effect. It's, it's alive and real at the moment. Mate, it is, it is indeed. All right, so um, now we know that we've we've chatted that the fact that the RBA has said this is it to at least twenty twenty four. So, what sort of things are you talking about with your clients now for the next 
you know, say three years in the lending space? Are you saying, okay, let's get one done and then because the market's rising, we're going to, you know, look at refinancing and or do another one after that and try and get as many as you can? Like what strategies are you seeing that relate to the fact that this money is easier? Look, it's a really good point, uh, Scott. You, you've got to be careful. If you're going to build a portfolio, you need to think about the risk. Um, Cross-collateralisation risk is, is an issue. Um, it hasn't showed up a lot lately because, you know, we're living in this regulated environment, especially after the Banking Royal Commission. And again, this is one of the beautiful things about property. It's so regulated. It's so safe, right? There's so much government controls over these nasty lenders that they can't repossess houses in bad times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It really gives you an eye and, and anyone who's investing in property, be it as an investor or as an owner-occupier, it really gives us a nice stable base on which we can build wealth and build it over the long term. So people need to be patient um, and they need to make sure they structure correctly. I, I'm a big um, proponent really that, you know, you have one asset and that's structured with one particular lender. You have another asset with another lender. You have another asset with another lender. <laughs> if a fire breaks out in this quadrant, it doesn't spread across your entire portfolio. You've got a little bit of time to move the pieces on the chessboard, so to speak, shift stuff around, you know, sell an asset if you need to or raise some additional equity or yeah, you've just got more flexibility. So we're working with clients now that quite often, I was talking with a client today, for example, I first worked with them probably 15 years ago, they were going to sell their home to buy a better home. Okay, so they're in, in the northern beaches of Sydney, and they had, let's just say a home worth 500 grand at the time. Um, and they had some good equity in that. And they knew if they sold that, they, they might walk away with a chunk of 200 grand, right? Sounds like a decent Piece of, piece of money, right? Um, and yeah. that was going to be their deposit on their next property. And I had a look at their situation. I said, guys, look, you're in a really good position. You've got two incomes. You hardly got any expenses. It would not be hard for you to retain that property, okay, and rent it out and get into your new property. You've got enough equity there to do it. Okay, it'll cost a little bit more. You pay a little bit more in interest, but that one becomes an investment. That's deductible moving forward. Okay, and they did that and they and they said, oh, okay, most of our friends wouldn't do this. This is a really risky strategy, you know, but look, we'll follow your advice on this. Those guys can't sing my praises loud enough now. I think their portfolio is like five or six million now. They're in a, they're in a really good equity position. They never sold that asset in, in six or 12 months later because the market moved. You know, it was in a soft spot and then it picked up and then it moved and it kept charging and charging and charging. Ultimately, they sold that property and they paid off some debt. And then you re-leverage that money, you use that again. You know, it's you, you've got to be in this game for the long term. It's it's a it's a slow process. I mean, we might be having phenomenal years now, but we've come off the back of years where we've had negative or yeah. nil returns. That's right. Well, my you've favorite terminology, talking. mate, negative growth. It's just a fantastic <laughs> terminology. Whoever thought of that should get an award. Negative growth, seriously. Negative growth. Uh, all right, look, you make some fantastic points. I think we've covered uh, a whole bunch today, mate. Is there, unless there's any f final parting thoughts you might have, um, we're probably going to be long enough to call it a day. Look, there's, there's two other things I want to say for people, Scott, is they, they really got to get off their lazy assets, all right? People are sitting on equity and they're in this old mentality of, and it's persisted through generations. Okay, and it probably goes back to, to the Great Depression. Now, if everything plays out, we've probably averted the next, you know, Great Depression. Okay, but that's only through money printing, right? You know what happens to the value of your money. It, 
it's getting going to get lost. We're in a low inflation environment now, except when you really look for it, like house prices and shares and things that are going up in value. But, you know, be it six months or 12 or 18 months, this COVID thing will hopefully be under control. Everyone will be vaccinated and the world will be charging on with the stimulus that's been pumped into the system. All right. So people have got to really take advantage. We're in the land of opportunity. You have the opportunity to own real estate in this country. This is gold. You, we're not talking about you can have it for 20 years or maybe 99 years. You get to own it indefinitely. Yeah. All right. People don't realize the value of the real estate in this country. So take the opportunity. There's, there's easy money around. If you need some help getting some more, come and come and talk to us. We'll, we'll help you out. No problem at all. Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. Mate, thank you very much uh, for joining us today on Zenium Live. Really appreciate your insight and your stories. It's always good to get real stories from people on the front line. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Look, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much and, and good on you for putting this out there. <laughs> uh, mate, it's my pleasure. It's what I do. We go global, <laughs> you know. That's what happens. Uh, all right, well, that was uh, that's Andrew Dixon from Altitude Finance today. It's been a fantastic conversation. We're talking about how it's raining money and the things that you need to do to make sure that you can get some of that money and get into the property market because, quite honestly, uh, as we showed you during the last 30 minutes, the market is moving and you really should consider being a part of it. Uh, we've got all the tools and other bits and pieces that you might need to help you along the way. So you can always hit us up. You can go to www.zenium.live. There's no .coms, no .ius, or you can email us at hello at zenium.live or call us on 1300-666-789. Well, that's it for today. Uh, we'll be back next week with a couple of other great shows, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, and once again, I was talking to Andrew Dixon from Altitude Finance. I'm your host, Scotty North. We talk all things money, finance, and property, and this is Zenium Live.